Hello and welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr Andrew Corbett. We're pleased to have you join us for tonight's program. Jesus is saying the Kingdom of God is not bound by geographical physical limits. The Kingdom of God is something that is in a human heart or a human soul. We don't often speak about kingdoms these days. If we were to think hard about it though, we might say a kingdom is a land area governed by a single ruler, but that's about as far as we'd go. In the Old Testament, the kingdom of God was foreshadowed, but no one really had a firm understanding of what that was going to look like. During Jesus' ministry, he spoke of the kingdom of God as something that was at hand and not just limited to a place. Tonight, Dr. Corbett is beginning a short series on the Kingdom of God. So let's dive in and expand our understanding. Let's join Dr. Corbett now as he introduces Jesus and the Kingdom of God. And as has been mentioned a couple of times today, I am commencing a new series and this will be looking at the predominant theme that Christ mentioned throughout his teaching ministry. And you can't read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, without encountering this. They all talk about it. And so I, in the 25 years or so that I've been pastoring here, I've never done a series on this topic. And so today I'm going to do it. So would you join me in prayer now? Father, I pray, Lord, that as we look at your word, as we open your word now, that you would help our eyes to see maybe what we've not seen before and our hearts to hear what we may not have heard before. And Father, I pray for those who are joining with us via a screen, that as I have prayed, it would be the Holy Spirit in their room, in their space right now, who would take these things and confirm your word with signs and wonders. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is the kingdom of God. And for those who have been tracking with me in my daily Bible readings on YouTube, you'll recognise the background is a background depicting Lagana. And it's the, the, I, I just think it's the appropriate place to have as my backdrop for this series as well, because I want to make the point that the kingdom of God, as Christ said, is not out there somewhere and it's not yet to come in one sense, but it's right here and it intersects with daily life. But this was not always the expectation. In fact, it, the kingdom of God was the great Jewish hope. It was the great Jewish hope that Yahweh, uh, which is the, the, the Hebrew for God, would, would one day send the Messiah who would establish the kingdom of God. In fact, this was specifically prophesied in the book of Daniel. In Daniel chapter 2, Daniel is called upon to interpret the, the vision of Nebuchadnezzar who dreamt a vision of this statue that you're seeing on your screen now where this statue had a head of gold, a chest of silver, uh, the middle of bronze, legs of iron and then curiously feet of iron and clay and then the final kingdom is depicted as a little stone that grows into something that fills the whole earth and Daniel tells Nebuchadnezzar what these kingdoms are that he is the head of gold that the Persian empire would come after him and then after the Persian empire would come the Greek empire the Greek empire would be divided into four and then out of that would come the Roman empire and then out of the Roman empire would come a collusion between 
Rome and Jerusalem to destroy the little stone. And as they attempt to destroy the little stone, that stone would actually cause them to disintegrate. And that picture of iron and clay, you can't meld iron and clay. So it was during the exile that Daniel received this picture from God of what the kingdom of God was to be like. That God was going to establish, and here's the key term, an everlasting kingdom. And that this everlasting kingdom would be established under the rule of the coming Messiah. So the Messiah who was to come would establish this rule. He would be the ruler of the kingdom of God. Here's the verse, Colossians chapter 2 and verse 44. It says this, and in those days, so this is Daniel telling Nebuchadnezzar what is to come. In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall be never destroyed that shall never be destroyed nor shall the kingdom be left to another people it shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end and it shall stand forever and we know that that little stone that little rock was Jesus Christ and he would establish a kingdom that would far surpass any of these earthly kingdoms the prophet Daniel sees this again throughout his book and we see in Daniel chapter 7 verse 14 and we we sing this song uh, O Ancient of Days and this is where it comes from it comes from Daniel chapter 7 where this expression is used to describe God and it says and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples nations and languages should serve him his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed that's Daniel 7 14 so you can understand that when these empires actually did unfold and they're so prophetically accurate that many people have accused the book of Daniel as having been written say 200 or 300 AD because after all he prophesied the coming kingdoms after the kingdom of Babylon so precisely naming them when they weren't empires that people have thought well this there's something maybe dodgy going on here but but when you understand spiritual truth can be also revealed through prophetic words for us as believers we know this is not dodgy at all that Daniel who was alive in the fifth century BC prophesied this to an, a ruler Nebuchadnezzar an actual historical figure and we, we have no problem with understanding this. So you can understand now how the Jews were expecting that when indeed the Romans did become the world empire, that when there did seem to be some cooperation, because the, the Romans gave the Jews dispensation that they gave no other people. They allowed the Jews to practice their religion in their temple and they gave them certain rights and privileges. And so you can imagine people were then going, well, it seems like the next kingdom, the kingdom of God, is just on the scene. And in fact, Jews had good reason to expect this at that time. And we see this kingdom foreshadowed in the life of King David prior to Daniel giving this word. We see that God also declared it in a a foreshadowing to King David when he said in 1 Chronicles chapter 17 and verse 11, 
When your days are fulfilled, the prophet said to David, to walk with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, one of your own sons, and I will establish his kingdom. So it sounds like he's referring, the prophet is referring to Solomon. It sounds that way. And in an immediate sense, that's true. He was referring to Solomon. And Solomon did indeed establish a kingdom. But here's where it gets a bit tricky because it goes on and it describes the kingdom in ways that there's no way it could refer to Solomon. He shall build a house for me. Well, yep, Solomon did that. And I will establish his throne forever. And the problem is Solomon died. In fact, Solomon had a a sad ending in many respects. But the prophet goes on and describes this kingdom as this. I will be to him a father. And he shall be to me a son. I will not take my steadfast love from him as I took it from him who was before you. So this is the prophet describing how God removes King Saul to install King David. And he goes on and says this, But I will confirm him in my house and in my kingdom forever. And his throne shall be established forever. No physical descendant of David, even the great kings, the king after Solomon, we have Jehoshaphat and Hezekiah, these were righteous kings, Uzziah to some extent, but they all died. They all, in, in fact, most of them had unfortunate endings. So this can't be what God was talking about when he said this, but it can be, it can be relating to Christ. In fact, Jesus actually challenges the Pharisees about this when he cites some of these references as indicating that it's referring to him. So the kingdom of God was this concept of the kingdom of God that would remove all opposition, would remove and destroy, the prophet Daniel said, would remove all other kingdoms from the precious land it describes in Daniel chapter 7. So we see this is what the Jews were hoping for. They were hoping that the kingdom of God would come in and kick the Romans out, the Messiah would come in, as an all-conquering military leader, and that he would be able to establish the kingdom of God. So by the time of John the Baptist, when John the Baptist came on the scene, you would expect that this was almost fever pitch. And so we see that by the time he came on the scene, the Jewish people ached. They ached and they longed for these prophecies about the kingdom of God coming to be fulfilled. And this... This was aided by the fact, this is John's first message. Let's have a look at this on the screen now. In those days, John the Baptist came into the wilderness of Judea proclaiming, listen to this, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And the other gospel writers translate that or they render that as the kingdom of God. And the reason for that is that in Matthew, he's writing to a Jewish audience and they they didn't take the name of God on their lips. They would swap it with the word heaven so swear by heaven swear by god they would say swear by heaven that kind of thing and jesus actually comments about that as well so when jesus was born in bethlehem israel was occupied by these roman forces and the romans had installed a a puppet king herod herod was not a jew herod was actually descended from the edomites when they moved down below the southern territory of judah in the southernmost part of of Israel, called Edomia. So King Herod was an Edomian. So just added to the insult 
we've got this king who claims to be the king of Israel. He has no connection to David. He has no connection to the lineage of kings. He's not even a Jew for Pete's sake. And so the angst at that time that Christ came was palpable, absolutely palpable. People were looking for this earthly kingdom that God would establish because after all, isn't that what Daniel prophesied? Isn't that what the prophet promised King David? Isn't it? And so Jews were hoping for this thing to be established. Little wonder then when Jesus comes on the scene that expectations began to rise even further because Christ's first sermon, his very first sermon, the very first things that, that is recorded coming out of the mouth of Christ was that the kingdom of God was about to begin. Wow. And this is how he said it. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent. And we'll, we'll come back to that term. That's a really important concept. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So now, with that in mind, I guess I want us to now, as we read through the Gospels, to go back and realise just how often Christ spoke about the kingdom, the kingdom of God. In fact, Matthew chapter 13, he gives, I think, six or seven parables, all of them, where he starts off, the kingdom of God is like, or the kingdom of heaven is like. Same thing, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. So now, today, this is part one, looking at the kingdom of God. This is Jesus and the kingdom of God. Jesus and the kingdom of God. And I want to go through almost going backwards a little bit, starting almost at the end of some of the last things that Jesus said about the kingdom, and then coming through to some of the first things he said about it. So if you can follow my reasoning here. When the Pharisees came to Jesus and said, tell us, where is the kingdom of God? When will it happen? When will it begin? This is what it says in Luke chapter 17, verse 20. But it says, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And that's an interesting translation that's from the English Standard Version. I consulted the Greek in this, on this verse, because I was pretty sure that it actually is literally, don't look over there, don't look over here, because the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. So this is the first thing I think we need to understand, that Jesus described the kingdom of God as not having physical limits. It's not limited or it's not located in one place. It's not like it's over there. We go to the kingdom of the Sultan of Brunei or the kingdom of Arabia or whatever. Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is not bound by geographical physical limits. The kingdom of God is something that is in a human heart or a human soul. The next thing I want to point out about what Jesus taught about the kingdom is this. Truly, this is Mark chapter 10 verse 15. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Now, here's the big deal. The kingdom of God, Jesus, we're going to see Jesus taught this. 
You enter into it in this life. You enter into it, as I make the point in a moment, spiritually in this life so that when you die, you stay in it. And that kingdom, you're translated from this place into the ultimate expression of the kingdom of God where God is himself. But unless you enter into it in this life, you can't enter into it in the life beyond. And to begin to enter into it in this life, the kingdom of God, you have to become, Jesus said, Mark 10 verse 15, just like a little child. So in other words, what is Jesus saying? To enter into the kingdom of God is different to entering into or gaining or winning or earning citizenship in another country where you might be rewarded for citizenship. But Jesus says to enter into the kingdom of God it could only be entered by those who humble themselves. You have to humble yourself. Not be humbled, humble yourself to enter into the kingdom of God. The next thing, Matthew chapter 21 and verse 31. This is what Jesus said. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said the first. So he's just told them a story. Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. What? This would have rocked the world of these Pharisees and scribes and religious people who were challenging Jesus about, well, if you're, the, if you're bringing in the kingdom of God, that your first sermon was it's just, just about to begin, where is it? Why haven't you done it? You've been here three and a half years. What have you done to bring in this kingdom of God that you claim to are bringing in? And then Jesus says this outrageous statement. Tax collectors, they were, the most, they were the most insidious people because they were traitors essentially to a Jewish mind and prostitutes. And the word prostitute was a synonym that used more often than not to describe a prostitute was the word sinner. They were just called sinners, tax collectors and sinners. These were the two lowest categories of people. And Jesus has just said, they will enter into the kingdom of God before you will. Why? Why? Because it's not about being religious. It's not about having a religion. And, and there are some people who... The word is they are inclusivists. That is, they believe that God doesn't care what religion you hold as long as you hold a religion. And so these people who are called inclusivists believe that God will include all religions into the kingdom of God. That's clearly not what Jesus taught. And in this instance, Jesus is saying to very religious people, you're not going to get in. With that attitude, you're not going to get in. And that sort of challenges, and it should challenge, those people who hold to inclusivism, that you can be a Hindu, a Buddhist, a Muslim, or whatever, and you'll be okay. Because Jesus is now teaching, it's not a matter of being religious, it's a matter of being repentant. And repentant simply means this, you were going in one direction. Now, you're going in a different direction. So to repent means an about face. 
And all of us are born with an inclination to go the way we want to go. No one's going to tell me what to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. And Jesus is saying, you've got to humble your heart like a little child. And you've got to be repentant. And when we see Jesus interacting with tax collectors and sinners, prostitutes, we see that they flocked to him. Because when they came to Jesus, he didn't condemn them. He didn't call them dirty. He didn't accuse them of being vile or anything like that. In fact, he chose, arguably, he chose a woman who had, you know, a questionable past to be a part of his traveling troop, Mary Magdalene. He also chose Matthew, the tax collector, not because they were religious, but because they humbled their heart asked for forgiveness which is a part of repentance and they turned to him and that's what Jesus said is necessary to enter into his kingdom and it's my hope that in what I shared today you do two things one if you're already in the kingdom your heart attitude toward tax collectors and sinners in other words those people who you think oh they are enemies of Christianity I hope your attitude changes so that we adopt an attitude like Christ that says, you know what, these people who attack Christianity, they're not our enemies. They're objects of God's love and he wants us to be the means by which they experience God's love. And then secondly, if you feel like you're a million miles away from God, if you feel like there's no hope, if you feel that life has no meaning and your soul is empty, why am I even alive? What is all this about? The reason is you were created to come into the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is very simple in this sense. It's where God is king of your life. And Jesus said this is the, the most important thing any person can do. And if you think Jesus is a clever fella, someone who's got something worth listening to, then listen to this, this thing that Jesus also said. This is from Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What are all these things? All the things that you think life is about, all the things that you think will bring you satisfaction, all the things that you think will bring you meaning, and for some people that's stuff, toys, material things, the latest whatever. For some people it's relationships. Their identity is so embedded with a relationship they're in. Their soul is so empty they think it's another person that will fill it. And so they go from relationship to relationship to relationship and they're still empty on the inside. For some people, they know they're empty. The ache is so bad that they try and drink themselves into unconsciousness so they can't feel it anymore. For some people, they'll use a needle to try and numb the pain. For some people, they'll use a pill out of a bottle, again, to numb their pain. But Jesus is saying, what you're missing is not a pill, it's not a glass of something, it's not a relationship, it's not the new or latest whatever. It's me. He's the only one who can satisfy 
the deepest longing of your heart. And as we've seen through the mystery series, for those of us who've, who've come to accept Christ and accept him on his terms, there's always more to know about him. There's always more to know. And it's my hope that you'll want to get to know him more. But here's when we look at this verse, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. God will take care of all of those things that you think you need if you put him first in your life. So what do we see about what Jesus taught about the kingdom of God here? Jesus taught living in the kingdom of God had to be a person's first priority. Let's just keep it up there. Had to be a person's first and highest priority. His first and highest priority. So if you really want to enter into the kingdom of God, Jesus is saying it's not a side issue. It's not just one of the things on your to-do list halfway down the list. It's top of the list. In fact, get rid of your list and just have this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of the things that you think life are all about, they will, they'll be taken care of. But the first thing is to get your heart right with God. Now, I come to the final thing that, that I want to discuss with Jesus and the kingdom, and it's this. This follows um, a covert, which means kind of secretive meeting, between the religious leader of Israel, who wanted a private meeting with Jesus, because after some time, after a year or two, or maybe three, he had heard Jesus speaking about the kingdom of God, and he thought to himself, no one talks this way. There is something about this man. I've got, to, I've got to find out what it is. And Nicodemus has a private meeting with Jesus at night. And Nicodemus is questioning Jesus. And Jesus, almost like God did with Job, dispenses with his questions and just talks right into his soul. And he says this, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He, Nicodemus is floored by this? Born again? And he asks the question because he only hears it in a very physical, wooden, literal sense. What? what, what? I'm an old man. He's probably in his 60s. How can I go into my mother's womb and come out again? And Jesus tells him, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a supernatural, spiritual transformation that takes place right in your soul. Right in your soul. Unless a man, unless a person, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So you might think, as some do, in fact, I think many do, who don't appreciate what Jesus is saying here. If I die, I'll be okay. The old man upstairs, flippantly referring to God, he'll let me in because after all, I'm not that bad of a person. The problem is, that's not what Jesus said. You have to have a spiritual transformation. In fact, we're going to call it a miraculous spiritual transformation. Jesus taught that entering the kingdom of God 
required a miraculous spiritual transformation. You don't have to join a church to come into the kingdom of God. You don't have to sign up to something to become a member of the kingdom of God. You don't have to shave your head. You don't have to wear orange. You don't have to get beads and wear them around your neck. You don't have to drop to your knees five times a day. You don't have to go to Jerusalem or Mecca or anywhere else. The kingdom of God can be within you. And I want to talk to you more about that after this song. This song is just a beautiful song, King of Kings. And as we talk about the kingdom of God, I want to introduce you to the king in the kingdom when we come back after this song. Great song, the King of Kings. And that's the whole point of the kingdom. When Jesus came and he spoke about a kingdom, he spoke about him being the king. And what I want to invite you now is to surrender your life to him. He's still the king. He can transform your life. And there are many who are participating in this live stream today who could tell you their story. They, I think of some who, are, who I know who are watching this now. And they were on the brink of suicide because for them, their life had come to this point of meaninglessness. That's all we have time for tonight. For a CD copy or a premium download of tonight's discussion, please go to our website, findingtruthmatters.org and select The Kingdom of God, Part 1 from our online store. As we've heard tonight, Jesus taught that entering the kingdom of God was not a matter of being religious, but being repentant, and it involved a miraculous spiritual transformation. More from Dr. Corbett next week as he looks at the wrong ideas about the kingdom. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.